0: everybody, this is Rob Keens so goldsilverpros.com. We have a first time guest on the program. It is Alan Pangborn, who is a Chief Executive Officer and Director of Chesapeake Gold Corp. Here to talk about his project in Mexico. Alan, how are you doing today? Really good, really good. How are you, Robert? I'm doing very, very well. Uh, we've been talking with your company for the last couple of months about coming on the program because I think you have a really good looking project that has very good fundamentals and we'll get into your PEA that you just released. Uh, here in a moment. Before we do that, I want to talk about gold and silver, which is what you guys have in this project. Why gold and silver? Why are you involved in gold and silver in, in mining and why not like a base metal, like a copper or something like that?
1: Um, gold and silver has a, it's almost counter cyclical. It's, it's perceived as a storage of wealth. Um, silver in particular tends to have a much larger beta than, than, than gold and, and certainly base metals um and it it generally has the type and size of projects that that the smaller mining companies to get in can get into you know base metal projects are very large Uh very capital intensive very long development timelines i've worked in both i've worked on both sides so i've worked in gold and silver i've also worked in copper and nickel and other base metals Uh um and and the gold projects and silver projects offer a scale and a type of project that is doable for the more junior markets which is what chesapeake gives hmm. interesting so do you follow the gold and silver markets at
0: all in terms of macroeconomics or, or fundamentals of those uh, is that part of what, what goes into your decision on building a mine because certainly gold and silver move up and down a lot of it has to do with macroeconomic concerns with the economy, things like inflation. Uh, do you follow that in, in order to help you facilitate decisions
1: about where you may take this mind going down the road? I, I follow it. And, you know, you watch the, the craziness that's happening at the moment where the US, Canada, Australia, and everybody is printing money and just literally throwing it out of a plane. Um, mm-hmm. To keep people happy as we try and survive COVID, um, you know the debt of each country, the GDP just continues to grow and to continues to grow, and you just sit there and say, when when do we turn into Venezuela or Zimbabwe mm-hmm. and the and the currency just gets completely worthless, and what do you do instead? And historically everybody looks for safe havens well what are your safe havens well hard assets is a good start Mm -hmm. okay so within the hard asset stuff what do you go through and and you saw it in the last commodity boom and it started to spread beyond not just gold and silver but you know people were buying nickel cathodes and burying them in the backyard because uh-huh. nickel was worth $20 a pound. It was almost a precious metal. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so people go to hard hard assets. Gold and silver have always been a, a favorite store of wealth. Mm-hmm. When you start looking at real interest rates, right, and mm-hmm. real inflation, you know, I read an article the other day where The Economist put out an article about the McDonald's index, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's used by lots of companies for lots of things. But they were saying the McDonald's index when it started, a Big Mac cost a dollar thirty or something 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Today it's five dollars sixty in the four major cities in the US. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. Well, it may have actually. I, I get the impression that the Big Mac is no longer a big, it's a small Mac. It's a small yeah. Mac, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they it's, they seem they seem, to be, yeah. Yeah, they seem to be shrinking products. Yeah, but still pushing the prices up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that tends to suggest that the inflation numbers that we are told are probably underestimating it and real inflation is running even higher than that. And if you look at the current real mm-hmm. rates of return on your money, it's negative.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's negative. So why aren't people buying more hard assets like gold, silver, maybe even other commodities because the real value of them doesn't disappear with time mm-hmm. The world is always going to want gold and silver copper nickel, all of the e v metals all of this stuff that people are talking about at the moment so does that that's the overall macro sort of macroeconomics of the world as it's going forward you you yeah. you're, you're running on fiat currencies. There are hundreds of examples over history of where non-reserve currencies of just Mm -hmm. you may as well put a match to them because they're effectively worth nothing. Right. Um, You know, you just put keep putting another zero on the end of the note until you get to a trillion dollar or trillion Mm -hmm. peso note. And and I've seen it. You know, you can go to the markets in South America and and you can buy them. Yeah, you can be a millionaire and have a million. Pesos, it is whatever, Sollies, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are we going the same way?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? And then you come back to the well, what do I do with my pieces of paper? Which aren't even pieces of paper today, right? It's just electronics on a on a computer screen that says I've got a million dollars. And you go, Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm a millionaire. Mm. Yeah, but what can you buy with it? It's purchasing power, you've got to come back to. And so you know that 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 tends to form part of it, but at the end of the day, as a as a mine mine builder and operator, I actually look, and this sounds absolutely crazy, I look at the low case in my studies to ensure that I can stay in business. Right, because mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the gold and silver price actually start heading down again. Yeah, which. The market amazes me at the moment. I just don't understand why it's still only where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to be in business, right? You know, if if Metatis and Chesapeake are going to make a lot of money out of the deposit we've got in Mexico, you actually have to be operating, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you don't.
0: Silver's a little bit different. In that it's very industrial and. It is yeah. a huge, huge demand. Over Silver Institute had a report last year, over a billion ounces were going to be demanded this year. That was before the retail demand that came in February that drove up SLB, Wall Street Silver, that whole retail dynamic. So I think silver is an incredible demand push this year, both industrially and as, a, as an investment. But the price yeah. is range trading around twenty six, you know, $25, $27. Why, why hasn't silver responded to inflation and all of the
1: demand? I I think people don't realize the demand side of the equation. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of demand, you know, people always associated silver with jewelry, cutlery, that sort of stuff. And that market has been shrinking and shrinking and shrinking for a long time. Um, And then they also associate it with photography and we all know what happened to photography that's gone. What, what, what people haven't realized is this whole solar push. Yeah, all of mm-hmm. those PV cells have got silver in them. Mm-hmm. The other one that people don't even think about is all of your electronics and all of your electric big electrical connections are all silver coated mm-hmm. because silver is a better electrical conductor than copper. And so when you want a good connection... You use silver rather than copper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't make solid silver cables, but they, they do. That All of the connections are silver. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you say, oh, but that's only, only 0.1 of a gram. Yeah, but how many of these things are sold around the world? That's right.
0: Right? In the billions. And it's funny, now Apple is the third largest maker of mobile phones. There's a Chinese company that moved into second place. So it's Samsung and then Chinese company, I forget the name, and then Apple. There are so many of those things sold every year. It's just an amazing amount. And it's funny, I, I worked in the tech industry for 25 years and they used to use gold where they use silver yes. now, but gold got so expensive now it's silver. And yeah. it used to be all gold connections. All the, the computer motherboards and, and electrical components were typical gold, but now you don't see it anymore because gold is, you know, eighteen hundred dollars an ounce.
1: Yeah, the um, pins are still the pins tend to be still gold. Yeah. They haven't switched those to silver yet. But but you're right. And so the silver market, I think people are underestimating big time what the demand mm-hmm. is. You know, everybody's focused on the headline metals, lithium and nickel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they're missing all of the others that go with it. That's right. Yeah. And and silver is is a big one of those. Um and, and you're not seeing, firstly, there's no really large outside of Cannington and um, Fresneo, there's no really large primary silver metal mines. Right. Right. Most of them a couple of million ounces a year. Yeah. If yeah. that much. If that if much. If that much. You know, I, I work for SSR, which used to be silver standard, and we had um, Piriquita, sorry. Piteria didn't never got developed. Piraquitas in, in Argentina, and that was producing 10 or 11 million ounces of silver, and it was a silver primary silver mine, right. and it was in, a, in the top 10, and that's tiny. The mine itself was tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So you don't, you don't see these very large sil- primary silver mines. People aren't building many lead and zinc mines because lead is usually a, you know, silver's a secondary product of lead mines. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of silver comes along for the ride in the copper mines, yeah. But you know, even that, I'll get, you won't believe this. the largest copper mine in the world is Escondida, right? Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. It's a million tons of copper. How much gold does, does Escondida produce? No, mm. nobody knows. Yeah, because you know what? They don't even assay it mm-hmm. in the feed to the mill. They assay it in the concentrate to make sure they get paid. They are right. the largest gold producer in Chile. Mm. As I do not know No, yeah. nobody does. And so there's there's a bit of this um, byproduct production, but it's still not a lot. So the silver market, mm. there's lots of little mines all over the place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it, it's it doesn't make sense. It does get consumed more so than gold. Yeah yeah because of what you were saying yeah exactly and gold
0: is consumed a little bit in industry and it's used in computer motherboards and there are businesses yes. actually now to reclaim that yes. to out of computer motherboards to, to get some of that back but silver is a different animal because most of it is industrial nowadays and so i think we're heading in maybe to a physical supply shortage at least available silver at current prices the price is going to have to rise to get it out of the hands of the big bullion banks and people that own you know hundreds of millions of ounces of already produced The only other way to go is to get it from the mines and either way, the price is going to have to increase to pull, you know, to get people to develop those products. We were talking before the recording about how long it takes to develop a project. It can take 10 to 15 years on a, on a good sized project to develop that and get that to market. So in the meantime, when you have these demand factors, it tends to push the price up quite a bit.
1: And I think that's why you see the volatility because the time to respond and the, the, ability to bring on large volumes in the silver Mm -hmm. market is really, really hard. Yes. Because when when your average size silver mine is a couple of million ounces a year, Mm -hmm. and suddenly there's there's a shortage of 100 million, you sit there and go, show me 50 silver mines. Mm -hmm. You can't. You can't. That's right. You can't. They're not there. It's a byproduct. I think something...
0: I don't know what the current measure is, something like 58 to 60% of the silver is a byproduct. So you're gonna get it from copper mines, lead zinc, uh, but the primary mines are actually in the minority. And so it's very
1: difficult to bring sizable ones on very quickly. Well, and the other interesting, it's interesting, you, you're right, it is, it's a very large byproduct credit um, and the same in our project as well. But mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the interesting thing, and particularly with the copper guys, and the streamers the streamers have gone after the copper guys and bought the streams mm-hmm. right Yeah. so that production's already been bought but it's come out of the economics mm-hmm. so the copper miner isn't even considering the value of that silver mm. in his economics to trigger the metal to trigger the project he's giving right. it away yeah and so it gives you a really weird dynamic where the copper miner goes, so what? Silver's $100 an ounce. It doesn't change my mind's economics.
0: Yeah. You know, I never even considered that because a lot of these royalty streaming deals, you'll get 30 to 40 cents on the dollar, maybe even less and uh, if you're the miner because
1: the royalty yeah, to be taking the risk. It. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. right. So so you sit there at Slobo sold a stream. I don't know there's a, there's a whole bunch of them if you actually go through the streamers you can see who who have they got streams on that are on these large base metal mines that are your byproduct credit producers well they they're not going to suddenly expand because the silver price went to $100 because
0: mm-hmm.
1: they don't see anything for it
0: that's right it's not economic for them doesn't doesn't change the dynamics of their uh, cost benefit right to doing that no if the copper price goes to $10, different question. Exactly. Right? So let's get into Chesapeake because I think sure. there's a lot to talk about here. And I want to start off, I'm going to go Yahoo Finance and talk about your newly released here on July 26 PEA results. Sure. So kind of walk yeah. us through this. What are we seeing? What, to me, I immediately saw a big project, lots of ounces, very economic. That was kind of the story to me. But walk us through what's here.
1: Yeah, so, so we produced the PEA because we took over. So there was a management change and a deal that was done in early January where I, myself, and a couple other guys came into the company with a totally different concept on how we could develop this project. Mm-hmm. The previous project was your typical mega project, billions upon billions of dollars, And it was really a project that we probably couldn't ever contemplate developing and you needed a major to come in and buy you out Mm -hmm. and that's fine. That's a business plan. It, It sat there for five or six years. That didn't happen. The majors were either busy doing their own projects or recovering from the wounds from the ones they got wrong. Um, and so they've started to shy away from these very large capital intensive projects. So we came in with with a, a concept where it's actually an old concept. Start small, get it right, then expand. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, if you actually look at Nevada and all of the large gold mines that everybody points out there, or the copper industry and all of the large copper mines, I will guarantee you not one of those large mines was built to full size. Day one, Mm -hmm. not one. Every one of them, they built a project, got it running, then expanded once, twice, Mm -hmm. three, four, five times. You know, I keep mentioning Escondidos because I used to work in VHP in the copper division for a long time. And I know it quite well. And you know, they're on phase five or phase six of expansions now, Mm yeah, over the last 15 years. So we've gone back to that. So we were looking for a smaller, credible, financeable, deliverable, and then expandable project in Metatis. And that's what the PEA highlights. And so when you look at it, yeah, it's small. It's only 110,000 ounces a year and two and a half million ounces of silver, but it's a 30-year mine life and it only touches less than 20% of the total resource. Yeah. And the reason we did it like that is so is that it is something that Chesapeake can finance and then deliver, and then self-finance the expansions. So it means significantly less dilution to the current shareholders, and I am one. I have a significant shareholding in this company. Yeah. So, so you know, I'm I'm in no hurry to get diluted out any more than any of the other shareholders are at the moment. Um, so so that that's what the pea was aimed at doing was to dispel the belief that this could never be built this and it can project, be so this you guys project will put in be. it
0: looks like 359 million payback two yep. and a half years um all in sustaining it's, cost of seven or 48 is that with the the silver byproduct product credits
1: that's with silver byproduct credits okay yeah, and so and, that's per gold ounce taking the silver byproduct credits. That's
0: really, really good compared to what people are finding now, especially for this size of a mine.
1: Well, it's a -a gram-a-ton equivalent as well. Mm -hmm. So, And it's a heap leach. So heap leach gives you the lower capital. Gram-a-ton makes it economic. Long-life project, easily understandable how we could expand it at least once and cut the mine life in half and still have a solid long-term mine life. Um, so, you know, it, it the PEA was to show investors that there is a credible alternative to building an autoclave and selling it to Barrick or Newmont. Yeah. And it's an alternative that we can do. Yeah,
0: um, And I think ultimately that's good for shareholders because if you're an investor, if you get bought out by a company, there's a return there. But it's different than if a company builds mine executes that mine and if you're in early enough before the company makes that mining decision that's always better for shareholders i find in terms of what they're going to get back out of it
1: as long as it's credible yes and i think the other thing the other thing not just the project but if people look into my background i've been operating or building stuff my entire career Mm. yeah and i'll challenge them to find what i got wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've, I've, you know, I, I built built multi-billion-dollar projects. Spence was a billion dollars in two thousand and six. Today, it would cost you three to four billion to build the same thing. Yeah. Um. You know, and that goes back a bit to what we were talking about inflation and how it's maybe not quite correct. Um. Mm-hmm. But you know, Spence was the largest single build SXEW sulfide leach plant in the world when we built it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was on time, on budget, did what it said it was going to do, all the good stuff you expect. Um, And I built smaller projects as well. So, you know, I was COO at SSR for five years. Mm -hmm. We took that from a single struggling, not delivering mine in Argentina at at, uh, Piraquitas to multiple mines across multiple countries. We went from 500 million market cap to over 2 billion. I want to do it again. yeah. And, and and Metatis is a cornerstone asset that we can build the next mid-tier gold producer on.
0: I see that, and let's take a look. I'm going to look at your resource estimate here in the highlighted areas. 542 million ounces of silver, and then how much gold do you guys have as well?
1: 20, 20, 20 million 19.8 well, measured and indicated. Add the 0. 0.6 in your 20 million. So it's yeah. 20 million ounces of Of uh, gold Mm -hmm. and over 550 million ounces of silver it's actually 560 million and and you know that that is in the top five to ten undeveloped gold silver deposits in the world Mm -hmm. it's in mexico and it is just gold and silver it's in mexico it's in durango so it's actually in one of the better locations in mexico Mm-hmm. Durang- i've worked with the durango local authorities when i was with ssr mm-hmm. uh, they had a silver project in durango as well um, so i understand the, the, the state i understand the politics i'm fluent in spanish so i can sit there and swear at them <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> that helps so, yeah <laughs> i was yes. just in
0: puerto varta last week and it was like man i need to brush up on my spanish <laughs> it's so much harder to get along when you don't understand the local language
1: yeah. Look, I, I, I lived 22 years in South America. Mm-hmm. I've lived in seven different countries. I've worked in probably well over double that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I understand the Latin culture cause I married one, uh, <laughs> which is helps. actually yeah. very <laughs> handy. Yeah, no, it does. It does help when I sit there and have a blank look and she can explain what happened. Um, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with Mexico. I'm really comfortable now. I've got the PEA done with the project. Mm. I think it's a very attractive project. It obviously justifies us continuing along this development path. Mm. Um, there's still upside in there. Uh, there was a news release we put out in late June uh, where we drilled some bulk sample holes to do some MET test work and they showed on average an 18% improvement on grade over the block model. That's significant. It's very significant, yes. You know, if that's at the front of the mine plan, it goes straight to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's upside related to that. There's upside related to all of the potential expansions that come in. We didn't put out a study that includes everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we, it should generate at $1,600 gold. So, not even the current gold price
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and $22 silver, it should generate $110 million a year of operating cash flow. Yeah. That's enough to be able to fund, self fund the expansions. Yeah. And keep growing. Yeah. And, and, and
0: I don't think we're going back to 1600 gold, I, I think, you know, at 1700, we're probably somewhere at a permanent bottom, and then it'll eventually go up from there, depending on what goes on in the world and how people get into it. I, I don't ever see us going back, at least not in the next few years to 1600 gold. So it seems as though your PEA, you know, assumptions are fairly well protected there. Um, I don't, I don't think they're in, in any danger. Um, tell us about the mine life. Cause like you said, you're looking at some of the highest grade, less than 20% of the overall, what you consider the ore body to be. So how long do you think you can mine this?
1: Well, just that first project is 31 years. 31 years. Oh my goodness. 31 years. Right.
0: Um, okay.
1: and it mines <laughs> wow. 170 million tons out of 1.3 billion. Yeah. Right. So, so how long can it go? Can go for How big do you want it? How big do you want to make it? Yeah. But the the trick is step one, get in. Mm-hmm. Right. If you can't build phase one, the rest becomes irrelevant. Yeah. Right. So you've got to find a way to build a project that is credible for a company, the size we are. Yes. We've got the resource. We know where it is. It's not going anywhere. hmm. I don't have to drill the hell out of it to make it bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was was talking to somebody else and they said, why did you drill and add to to add more ounces? You don't need more ounces. Well, I didn't drill to add ounces. I -hmm. drilled to get samples for a metallurgical test work program. that I have to do for the PFS. Yeah. The assays happen to come back 18% higher than the block model said. Mm -hmm. Great. Wonderful. That's a nice <laughs> surprise. Thank you very much. Share it with the shareholders. That's significant. Yep. Yeah. And potentially we will now go back and look at an infill drill program around those holes because mm-hmm. there's obviously something we've missed.
0: Right. You're missing a, a high-grade vein, some sort of, sort of body that you, that you got to infill drill to find that out.
1: Yeah. There, there's obviously some sort of grade differentiation in mm-hmm. the intrusive that we didn't understand when we built the block model and it was built on quite wide space drilling because it was mm. built as a bulk target. Right. Um, and so include, improving the resolution around there mm. may give us a, a, a continued nice surprise for what is in the early years of the plan. And that has a big impact on your economics. So you, you put the two together, I can expand it until you're fed up,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And I've potentially got a high grade, a higher grade piece of the high grade core at the start. Right? Yeah. So, so it's really a case of this is approximately right. It's a PEA. This is what it sort of looks like. There's some layouts in the presentation, there's the production profile which you put up a moment ago. There's the flow sheet, there's the capital cost, the operating costs, all those sorts of things are in there. Yeah. um and when we get the full report out there's obviously even more data behind that and mm. analysts and banks and whoever can start to understand it um, but it it it's it puts it shows you what the playing field looks like and then has these amazing upsides around mm. raid, mine life expansions yeah. yeah and like I said, how big is big enough the original three and a half billion, was ninety or hundred thousand tons a day, mm-hmm. right? That's that's almost that's nine times where we are at the moment. Yeah. So,
0: so what what is next for the rest of the year? If an investor chooses to get in, what should they expect you guys to do for the rest of twenty twenty one? Or you you mentioned infield drilling. What else are you guys
1: doing for the project? Three three things. Mm-hmm. Um, get the metallurgical test work going. And then as we get sets of results, release them. Yeah. Um, Heat bleach test work is slow. Mm. I'll I'll put that out front, right? You don't get a result in 48 hours. Right. Okay. So so each column I run, it runs for six to nine months. Mm. It is slow. But that's part of the reason why the capital cost is so low. Because I'm using time instead of money right to get the oxidation right right so 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 the test work uh is is the big one um the infill drilling yeah we'll probably look at when the program will be but i suspect it will be towards the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, just because i don't really want to try drilling there in the wet season i don't need to make myself problems um, I only need well, the drilling before I produce the new block model and the PFS, which will be in 2022 anyway. So okay. there's, no, there's no mad rush to go drill tomorrow. Yeah, mm. I'll let the rain stop and the cyclone hurricane season go away, and then we'll we'll look at drilling. Um, and 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 also um, expanding out the the current environmental monitoring so that mm. so I've got all of that information because the expectation is. Once I complete the PFS, I will start the permitting process in Mexico because right. I'll awesome. have enough solid definition that by then. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. So what does the permitting process look like in Durango?
1: Um, the permitting process in Durango and in Mexico in general, because it, it ends up going federal, Uh Durango obviously helps and can push it through with the feds. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, it all goes to the federal authorities in Mexico City. Um, We took one through when I was with SSR and it took us about 12 to 18 months to do it. I've got about two and a half years in the schedule that's in the presentation. The reason for that is if I'm going to put fat anywhere in a schedule, put it on things that I can't control because that's what will bite you. The things i can control i know how long it takes me to do each of the steps um you know again probably because of my background and 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 learning the hard way deliver say what you're going to do and then actually deliver it right um the the schedule people will say but you can do it way faster than that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah you know under promising and over delivering is a much better philosophy than the alternative Yes, And so, you know, if we can do it faster, we will, but I'd rather, I'd rather be in control of my future. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and under delivering is not a good thing in the mining industry. Investors get quickly uh, tired of that. And so do boards I find. So uh, yep. yeah, definitely appreciate putting in more time and setting expectations up front is, is definitely the best practice there.
1: And I, and I think that that is a, a statement you can put across the entire PEA. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in that PEA that is a stretch. You know, I'm not using ridiculously low mining costs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're $2 and 20 or 30 or something. Um, I'm not using ridiculously low capital costs, operating costs. Um Because I expect to build it. I expect to be here in 2026 and Mm. be able to stand in front of investors and say, there you go. It's up, it's running, it's operating. Now we're looking at the first expansion in year X and the second expansion in year Y. It will be self-funding or I need $50 Mm. million or something. I don't know. Yeah." and, and, and go forward that way. It's a much, it's a much better life than, than the alternative where you get beaten up every time you talk to an investor. Of course.
0: yeah, I definitely understand that. Uh, Alan, any last thoughts on the company in general before we, we wrap up this interview? What do you want to leave with investors as, as the
1: most important thing? I think, I think that, as I've said a couple of times, credible, financeable, deliverable, and expandable project Mm -hmm. On a massive asset in Mm -hmm. Mexico, over 20 million ounces of gold, 560 million ounces of silver Mm -hmm. that will become the cornerstone asset to grow the next mid-tier gold producer, which will be Chesapeake. And I can expand it as many times as it makes sense. That's it in a nutshell. And we're cheap as at the moment. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so
0: much, Alan, for coming on the program. I love the project. Uh, I love the fact you're in Mexico. I love the fact it's got gold and silver. Those are all great things for, for us and, and our followers and investors. And just appreciate you giving us your perspective and your time to, to help investors understand your project and what the value is.
1: No, thank you, Robert. Thanks for your time. And uh, I hope the ing- investors enjoy it. And if they're interested, go to our website, ChesapeakeGold.com. Give us a call. Drop me an email. Come and see me at Beaver Creek. I'll be down there if you're in the US. Ah, Happy to meet with you. Fantastic. Thank you
0: so much. We'll talk to you again. Thank you.